my brother. What's up with it? What it do? What's good, man? What it do? I want to thank you, man, for, for taking the time to join me. I know we've been working on this for a couple of weeks now, so I know boys be man, busy. Finally, yeah, finally got the time, man. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I appreciate you having me, man. I know you busy, and uh, we both got a lot going on right now, man, but yeah, yeah. my dog finally got me on here. For sure, had to, man. Had to, man. For sure, man. First off, bro, I just want to, you know, show you some love, man. Just, you know, been following your journey, been a part of your journey, you know. So uh, we first met when we both went to SIU. Uh, yes, sir. You know, just thinking about everything that we've experienced since then, man, it's, it's, it's been special. You know, it hadn't been smooth, but, you know, we've been built for it and we've persevered and, you know, we're here now. So, Definitely want to give you some love, man. And, you know, I know you represent your family well. You representing your universities, you know. You represent yeah. your, your immediate family now with your wife and your shorty. So much yeah. love, bro. Much respect. Nah, I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate it, man. And back to you, bro. You know, it, it's been a journey for both of us, man. And, you know, the ups and the downs is what make us. And we've had that conversation before. And, um, man, I appreciate the love. But, man, I just want to commend you as well, bro. Like, you one of the strongest dudes I know, if not the strongest dude, man, from everything you've been through and, you know, Appreciate what you've been able to accomplish and, you know, continue uh, mm -hmm. to accomplish, man. I just want to, you know, say I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud <laughs> of you. I knew you, was a, I knew you was a king way back in the day, but yeah. to see it, to see I was, it. I was, I was a king. I was a king in, in, in grooming then. Come on, man. But Come it's, on, it's, man. It's, yeah, we, we there now. We there now for sure. Yeah, man. And I just want I know your your wife is proud of you, man, and yeah, looking yeah. down on you and just saying, man, keep going. So I yeah, just want yeah. to commend you, man, and rest in peace to your beautiful wife, man. I know that yeah, was uh yeah. know that was hard, it, but man, you like I said, man, you are a king. Yeah. And uh man, I couldn't be more proud of you, bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. It means a lot, man. Someone I respect, man. That, that means a lot, bro, for sure. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you. For sure, man. Let's get it. So, uh, man, I just, first I want to start off, I want to, you know, hear about your upbringing. You know, I don't want, I don't have really nothing specific, but, you yeah. know, just want to hear about your upbringing and just what, what pops into your mind first, you know, whether it's with sports or most, or most importantly with family, you know, so uh, just tell me a little bit about your upbringing, bro. Man, Nashville kid, Nashville, Tennessee kid, um, you know, born and raised, uh, you know, family, um, just like yourself in the household with both of my, my parents. Uh, both of them were, you know, influential in my life. Um, but I saw their hard work, you know what I'm saying? And that, that was something that me and my brothers, my two younger brothers, you know, looked up to. And uh, when I think about my childhood, you know, a lot of people, look at my childhood and be like, man, I even went to Brentwood Academy, you know, all white school, private school. Um, and it, it's nice to, you know, get this as the first question because I don't get asked that a lot because people assume that, you know, I was one that had it all and it was a silver spoon in my mouth, but um, it was the, the total opposite, man. My parents, you know, my dad was, you know, in college when I was, when I was born. So I really didn't see him for the first two years of my life. My mom was, you know, basically a single parent and I was living with my grandma. And um, so I, I saw her, you know, do a lot by herself. Not saying that my dad went in my life as a young, as a youngster, but, you know, that's what, you know, kind of 
made my mom want to, you know, push forward. And, um, you know, she ended up uh, dropping out of college when, you know, she first had me um, at 20 years old. And, uh, you know, I saw her go back to college and, you know, become a dental hygienist and at the school that I'm now coaching, Tennessee State University. And, um, you know, so to see her do that, man, that, that was kind of embedded in my DNA. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad worked two, three jobs growing up um, mm-hmm. when I was when I was a kid, when he got back from college playing ball. And, um, you know, it was, you know, that, that hard work was, you know, how we were raised and what we saw. Uh, yeah. But what, it wasn't always easy. You know, we lived in uh, some like the project um, in, in East Nashville, um, very little career. But, you know, I saw my parents, man, work their butts off. My mom go to college, graduate college as a dental hygienist. My dad, um, you know, go to college, come back, work two, three jobs to provide for, you know, his sons and, you know, become a business owner. So sports is my life. You know, sports was your life. You know, we always, you know, in basketball or whatever, baseball, football, whatever. But the hard work is what I remember, you know, from my parents and how they were able to, you know, overcome um, what they were, like their environment and uh, how they made it out. So that's what, what I saw and remember most about my childhood. For sure, for sure. And that's uh that's something I learned about you, you know, upon doing my own research. You know, I I try not to really put narratives on people, you know, but yeah. you just never know what someone experienced growing up or how they experienced growing up until you really, you know, either speak to them or speak to the people closest mm-hmm. to them, you know. So uh, you know, that was new to me to to hear that, you know, your upbringing yeah. wasn't you know, just how people perceive it, you know, yeah, and that's what, yeah. you know, that's what's continued to, that's what gave you that well-rounded foundation, you know, as mm-hmm. well as myself, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, and the first thing you, you, um, you spoke on is really what I wanted to speak on from that question, and it's just mm-hmm. the, um, the fact that you grew up with both parents in your household, you yeah. know, I, um, myself, I'm fortunate enough, my sister and I were fortunate enough to also, you know, grow up with both of our parents involved and very active, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so um wanted to ask you what, you know, what were your takeaways as you reflected back onto that? You know, I know for me, you know, that's given my sister and I really the the strong foundation that we have, you know, our parents poured in love mm-hmm. to us, you know, they were involved, they um, attended all of our sporting events, you know, they listened to us, you know, so as you get older, you realize the importance of that. So maybe you can share on that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, having both, you know, parents is always, you know, a positive for, for any child and, uh, you know, growing up, um, girl or boy, but, um, I think it was, it was more beneficial. It's, it's more beneficial when they're involved. Like you can have parents, you can have both parents involved and I've seen it grow up, um, when, you know, as a child and seeing, you know, especially in middle school, how, you know, people may, you know, these kids may have both parents, but the parents are not involved. So yeah. I think when you said involved, that's the, that's the key part in you know, a, a great upbringing and, uh, like you said, man, it's 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 a blessing to have both parents mm-hmm. and they've always been, you know, in my life. My mom, I want to, you know, commend her for always, you know, taking us to school, man. It was like she worked so hard, man. 
And uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you to my mom, um, especially because, you know, it was times where, you know, she would have to be at work at eight o'clock in the morning, but she had to take all three boys to school because my dad was first and would have to go right, you know, to first shift at his other job. So, you know, commend, I commend both of those, uh, both of my parents for, for that, man. But my mom was grinding, bro. That's why, like, I take my, tip my head off to her because, I was like, how did you do that? Like, how did yeah. you know, waking yeah. up at 5 a.m. just to get us to, you know, before care, before yeah. school, yeah. just so she can make it to work on time. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't like we was, me and my brothers was going to the same school. We weren't. Like, mm -hmm. I was going way to, you know, way out north to school. And we <laughs> lived in Antioch at the time. And, um, you know, my Jaron was going to one school and Jordan was in preschool so she had to yeah. go three different places yeah and yeah not just school like she was always the one that's you know taking us to basketball events and you know basketball games and tournaments and all of that stuff she never missed anything man so um and my dad man as much as he worked he made it you know to a lot more than i you know, even expected and, um, you know, he coached my AAU team growing up, so he was always involved. Um, but, you know, we be we, we busy as hell, so I understand my dad, man. It was time my dad would pick me up from school, and yeah. I used to have to wake him up, like, because yeah. he's, he's falling asleep at the red light, you feel yeah. me, or yeah. Yeah. we in traffic and he dozing off. So it yeah. was, man, like, it was things that I had to do as a kid. And, like, you look back on it and be like, man, my parents worked hard, and I'm just – you know, yeah. glad we're still here today because it, it was dangerous sometimes. For sure, for sure, bro. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember my mom. She worked in a factory. She worked in Chrysler at Chrysler for like twenty years. You know, and she worked yeah. midnights majority yeah. of that time. So yeah. you know, I remember my my mom would get home like six in the morning. At the yeah. time, I'm in like seventh, eighth grade, and it's 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 just crazy when you look back and, and like you said, you realize how hard they really were going for us. You know, and I remember yeah. times when. I was 13, 14 years old, and my mom would have me go pick up my sister from school because she's so mm -hmm. tired. So mm -hmm. I'm driving, I'm driving at 14 and picking my yep. sister up from elementary, sitting in yep. the parking lot like I'm the parent, you know what I'm saying? Facts. Facts. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been bad parents. It was like, man, look here, I need you to grow up and yeah. you know, take on some responsibilities. Like sure. as soon as I got my permit, bro, I was driving to school illegal. Like I wasn't yeah. supposed to drive without a license, but yeah. 15, yeah. 15 and a half, whenever it was, like dog, I was driving. My mom was yeah. like, hey, I can't continue to do it. Like yeah, for sure. I'm for gonna sure. lose my job. But yeah, it was yeah. the thing we had to do, man. That their responsibility yeah. that yeah. they put on us was beneficial to us now. For and, sure. Uh, how we how we live our life and how we carry ourselves. So man. Yeah, Hats yeah. off to our parents, man. They did a great man. job. And a lot of people, a lot of people say, you know, not having, especially in basketball, bro. You know how this coaching life is, and you know how you know some of the things we've been through. Um, I don't want to speak too much on it, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like they think the the kids with you know the that don't have both parents are are hard and they they raise tough or they tougher or or they grind and all this stuff. And it was the total opposite for us because, you know, we saw, we had great parents in our lives. We saw those and examples. We saw the example. So 
despite of, you know, if we didn't have one parent or whatever, and I, you know, hats off to the, the ones that do succeed without both parents, because you are tough, but, you know, you got to be tough too, you know, especially yeah. the game that we play and, yeah. uh, you know, everything we've been through to have yeah. both examples made us, you know, some tough dudes, so. Yeah, most um, definitely. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. so. Yeah, big ups to them, man. You uh, you mentioned uh, when you were kind of describing your parents' journey as far as working and school and, you know, and then developing their own business. Uh, I want you mm -hmm. to speak on that. You know, your parents own um, Bones, Fish, and More. Am I right? Yep. Yep. So what? Um, maybe speak a little bit on that, but I want to kind of yep. relate it to you and, and your entrepreneurial journey. You know, I'm... Yep. Myself, I consider myself a, a second generation entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. I know the difference between first generation and second generation right. entrepreneur, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what can really hold you back, you know, what's that thin line between. So um, maybe yeah. share your perspective on that as far as, you know, you know, obviously you're doing your thing in business, you know, with your clothing line and with your training mm -hmm. and with, you know, managing your own personal brand. So uh maybe just speak a little bit on on that so my my dad man um you know the biggest entrepreneur hardest working dude i know um you know he worked two three jobs to save up twenty five thousand dollars so he can buy a building so he can you know own be an owner a, a mm -hmm. business owner and mm -hmm. you know as a starting business owner or entrepreneur is always hard like mm -hmm. you don't get money you don't get money right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Now, my dad saved his money just to own this building, Bones Fish and More, which is, you know, one of the best soul food, fish, fried fish spots in the South. Mm -hmm. um, he, so if y'all ever, you know, in Nashville, any I carry mm -hmm. a man, look up Bones Fish and More, you won't be disappointed. But yeah. I saw him, and I used to work in it. Um, mm -hmm. Me, my brothers, my mom, we used to all, work in the um you know work in the shop or whatever and mm -hmm. he didn't make no money first three years like first mm -hmm. three years he took a loss you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and but he just kept grinding man he just kept grinding and one thing my dad always told me he said man like success is like a bungee like a bungee jump like you know when you you go to these um these uh theme parks and they got this little bungee cord jump where you go all the way down and once you hit all the way rock bottom is when you spring up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So he said he got to rock bottom. He got rock, got to rock bottom, and somehow, man, people start coming. Like he just held tough. Like he just held strong. You know, he kept grinding. No matter if he had one customer that day or ten customers that day, and he kept grinding. He didn't quit, and that that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing of, of everything in life is you know just don't quit man like keep going like yeah. you could be right there you know yeah. your breakthrough may be right there but for my dad he got to rock bottom didn't have anything you know really contemplating if he wanted to do it but some told him to keep keep going keep going and after his third fourth year you know things just start happening man like those cars just start to to come man and now He's in a position because he didn't quit. He's in a position to, you know, you know, be, you know, be a successful entrepreneur, business owner, 
and mm -hmm. you know change the trajectory of our family you know what mm -hmm. i mean and yeah. that was his whole mindset and goal when he first became an entrepreneur and wanted to be a business owner is you know i want to just be able to provide for my family so they never had to want anything so we could have a you know a bigger crib or um, yeah. they could yeah. go to private school and it'd be paid for and they get mm -hmm. the best education and you know mm -hmm. they never had to want so mm -hmm. um my dad grinded man and and the same with my mom my mom like i said man she was she dropped out of college went back to college became a you know dental hygienist after she failed three times like she failed the, th the the test to become a dental hygienist three times before she made it and when she made it it was so much better so the same it's the same testimony yeah. she hit rock bottom you know mm -hmm. and you know once she made it everything changed yeah, um, yeah. so that's yeah. how i look at you know my mm -hmm. entrepreneurship uh lifestyle and my brand mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. that I do do, um, mm -hmm. if I'm not hitting rock bottom, I don't think that nothing good is gonna come yeah, from it. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's just yeah, how I was yeah, raised. It's like yeah, you gotta you hit play, rock you bottom. Playing it safe, you playing it safe. Yeah. If you're not experiencing any type come of degree on, of hardship, yep. If you're not, it it probably ain't ain't worth it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. If you find success just like that, it's probably gonna be short lived. Yeah, and that's uh, that kind of speaks on your passion. You just there's yep. not as much passion as you maybe think if you're not finding yourself in those situations. Absolutely, man. So that was something that, you know, I held strong to, man, seeing mm -hmm. both of my parents mm -hmm. grind from the bottom. And then not, not saying that we made it to the top, top, but yeah. our top, top is, you know, being successful and, and being yeah. blessed enough to provide. And, and we and we learned that, that it's all in the journey, you know? So it's exactly. like, oh, Y'all are living as a family a very uh, meaningful, purposeful journey that, like you said, is going. It's it already has changed the trajectory of your family, mm -hmm. and it's just going to continue to, you know, as it Absolutely. continues to grow and as you guys continue to develop your own things. So mm -hmm. that's you know that's it speaks to having those examples, you know. And I know for me, um, I'm so grateful for having uh, my dad. He went to college when he was 30. So mm -hmm. he didn't go to college until late, you know, and then he finished his master's at 35. And then him and my mom managed a cleaning company. So I just think like if my father wouldn't have went to college at 30, which people think is the end of the world at 30 when he really right, so young, right, right. like yep. if my father wouldn't have went to college at 30, there's no, I don't think I'll be sitting here right now. You know, I wouldn't right. be, nah, right. he wouldn't have been able to pour it into me as he has, you know, they, like I said, they had their own cleaning company. Um, he's done a lot of consulting work throughout the years. So just being just being able to pour into my pour into me, like, you know, conceptually, you know, and just, you know, being able to confirm my uh, experiences as managing my own personal brand. I just don't think I would have had that, you know, and then, you know, I feel like the difference between um, a first gen generation entrepreneur and a second generation, um, is that that line is, is that line of fear facts, facts. It's the line of fear you know because that like i see so many people that are um reluctant to take those risks and get started because they have fear in them you know and yeah man and I'm, I'm sure you could probably relate like i really yep. never had any fear nope nope so yeah, it's like I, I feel that that is. that's why we've been able to that's why we've you know, you've dropped your clothing company, you know, yep. you've, yep. you know, you promote yourself as a coach and as a, 
as a trainer, you know, when a lot of people, you know, don't feel comfortable doing that. So I feel like that right. difference in that thin line is the, you know, whether you got fear or not. Yep. Yep. And I, I agree with that, man. It's uh, you kind of have, you, you gotta have just to kind of be totally 100. You gotta have some, I don't give a fuck about you. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. if I hit rock bottom, man, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to keep on going. And exactly. a lot of my, a lot of people that I, uh, I talk to or kids that look up to me, they be like, man, this man, a, a coach, he a, a model, this man, a, a clothing designer, a trainer. Like, yeah. they be like laughing at my pictures. I may throw a, a fit on and, you know, yeah. say something on my, my caption that, that yeah. a typical yeah. coach wouldn't put on it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't care yeah. about none of that. Well, what they yeah, gonna say? I feel like everybody, like, I feel like there's a sense that you have to box yourself in. And it's like, that's one thing for myself. It's like, I've never boxed myself in. So it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm a basketball player. Like I'm a business owner. I'm involved in the music industry. Mm -hmm. I'm in the mentor and I'm a yep. teacher. Yep. Like I'm a speaker. Like I'm trying to do it all. Like why, why limit Come yourself? Come on, man. Why limit yourself? Yep. Yep, I'm the same way, man. Motivational speaking, I think both of us, you know, have yeah. a, a knack for that. Yeah, uh, we yeah. just gotta continue to, you know, push the envelope, man. Like, yeah, be everything yeah. that we can be. Like, for sure, who cares for what sure. people think? You know what I'm saying? Don't, yeah. don't put my, yeah. no limitations on me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just because you have limitations, people will. People, people will for sure. Yeah. 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 At this point, it, that's it. Just be bouncing off. Like I don't even yeah, reach. Yeah, man. I don't. <laughs> Care about yeah. none of that. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it makes me more compassionate and want to help you more. You Max, know, so it's like you Max. you get like, more man, compassionate and empathy towards. Yeah, yeah. 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 I believe in you more than you believe in you. Facts, facts, yeah. man. And, but shout out to the people, man, that's out there um, doing it all, and you know, not really caring about mm -hmm. what anybody else have to say, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Because at the end of the end of the day, that's how you gotta live your life, man. You can't live yeah. your life to benefit people. You gotta live your life to yeah. you know to yeah. positive. And to the and to the people who you know are you know seeking that beginning, you know, or trying yep. to you know yep. start. It's like you don't you don't have to have you don't have to think you have to have it figured out right away. No. You know that's not at all. You know, it's just, just get started, and yep. you know if you start something that's purpose driven. Mm -hmm. you don't really have to force too much you know just stay Max. organic and it'll start coming to you so Max. i mean that that thin line that we speak on that we refer to as fear is so much abundance that's past that line you know and it yeah. don't have to come all the way all, all at the same yeah. time it's like yeah. you just let it come then you find yourself like you're not even really striving like i'm not even striving for nothing i'm not setting no mm -hmm. goals like it's, it's, purpose, it's just coming dude. to me yeah, yeah, it's purpose driven, man. When, yeah. when you working in purpose and you know doing it for the right reasons, mm -hmm. everything is gonna come organically, like you said. Yeah, man. So yeah. Push yeah. past that fear, man. Push past yeah. that fear, man. It's, it's sure, just a sure. word. It's just yeah. a word. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. feel me? Yeah. All right, let's transition a little bit. So yeah. uh, obviously we we both play sports growing up. You know we could talk about the hoop all day long, but um, I found we have something else in common. You. I know myself, I probably would have, I could have potentially been a better baseball player than even a basketball player. So yeah. I hear you were, you were pretty good at baseball, you know? So 
I know from my journey, like my summers were were full of not only basketball, but baseball as well. So I was traveling and going on trips for baseball and playing all stars. And, you know, one, my 12 year old year, we were one game away from the little league world series. That's so, crazy. you know, share That's your crazy. baseball um, experience. Yeah, yeah, man. I, um, I was raised, like I said, in East Nashville, it was a big time, you know, league that, uh, it's called Parkwood that all the you know inner city kids went to. If you didn't play in the Parkwood Baseball League or PAL Baseball League in Nashville, like you really really weren't doing nothing. So yeah. we played we played in that. Me and a few of my best friends, man. That's why um, uh, that's where we met, and you know mm-hmm. a lot of them them cats you know went mm-hmm. to the same elementary school with me. Mm-hmm. But baseball, man, was. Oh man, I started playing baseball the same time I started playing basketball. Yeah. Um, Cause my mom at the time didn't, she didn't want me to play football because it was so, you know, vicious, you feel me, yeah. violent. But um, <laughs> baseball became, man, something that we did every year. Um, started off playing at five, you know, peewees, and, mm. you know, it was just fun. It came natural, you know, you, yeah. you're an athlete, you know, you yeah. can hit the ball, you can, you can scoop it, but. Yeah. Um, it was it was big time, man. I love baseball, man. Yeah. I, loved, I wish I didn't have to quit, and mm-hmm. I had to quit once I got to um, middle school at Brentwood Academy because mm-hmm. it kind of fell in the same time as basketball did somehow. Yeah. And um, I was forced to pick one, mm-hmm. and um, it was uh, like I was a part of all the little all star games, and you know we. Our all-star team, like we were, we were tough, and I feel like mm-hmm. we were a few games to making it away from like the part to make it to yeah. World Series. But yeah. we were big time, man. We were big time all-star every year. Mm-hmm. Um, play shortstop, pitcher, and mm-hmm. third base. And if you played mm-hmm. those positions, like you was, you had an arm. You yeah. could uh, make decisions, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you were you were pretty good. But man, yeah. I love baseball, and mm-hmm. I wish I didn't ever have to quit. I told my wife I just had you know my son two months ago, and I told her if he take your height, Gene, and and don't get over six foot, uh-huh. you playing baseball, bro. Like it's so much money <laughs> in baseball. Yeah. Straight up. Um, shout, shout out to my, my boy Mookie, man. Mookie Best, one of the best, you know, baseball players in, you know, ever, in my opinion, uh, you know, coming out of Nashville. Um, you know, he he's not the tallest, you know what I'm saying? But he's an athlete. He played basketball, yeah. too. Pretty good. But yeah. baseball was the ticket, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I love baseball, man. I, I was great at it. So was football. Like, I – started playing football when I was like 11 years old. And I feel like football was basically, it was really my best sport. Um, mm-hmm. But I was forced to make a decision and I just mm-hmm. love basketball more than anything else. So yeah, I stuck yeah. with that one and, you know, it worked out. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. We, we'll, get, we'll get back to, to the sports. Uh, yeah. So you're pretty involved in fashion. Um, yep. uh, obviously, when we first met, when I was a freshman at SIU, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my parents, you know, they they kept us fresh and laced growing up, you know, yeah. for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I remember when I got to SIU, you know, just following around with you and Tyrone and Coop. Yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. y'all, you know, y'all really like, y'all probably the first purple, first, first people besides like a high school, you know, like the first yeah. people I really seen that were like, you know, involved into like getting the new shoes and, right, you know, right. getting the new shirts and the jeans yeah. and, you know, just really being, you know, pretty fresh, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, I want to ask you, you know, obviously just seeing you, you know, like you said, you did the, you do the modeling, you know, you do the mm-hmm. fashion, um, was, and, and I heard, you know, you in elementary, you, you set the tone pretty early. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Always. They say you used to come, you know, one day you came with the Grant Hills with the, you had yeah. the little hoop, the little hoop yeah. mirror in. Yeah. So, yeah. so I heard you, you set the tone pretty early. Um, mm-hmm. was, was your, would you say your beginning, of fashion and of designing your own fashion was the beginning of that when you were sketching your own shoe as a kid? Damn, you did some research, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of people don't know that, man. Like I could draw. Um, I used to come in the house, man, with like different shoes that I would draw like every, like every week I would come home with a different pair of shoes that I draw. I drew Mm -hmm. up. And uh, my mom, I would show my mom and my dad and be like, dang, them shoes five, boy. Like, <laughs> they kept they kept us laced. Like, my mom, like I said, growing up, we didn't have a lot. So yeah, yeah. when my mom, like, she spent it all on on us, like, clothes yeah. and shoes, bro. Like, ours, ours did the same. Ours did the same, for sure. And sports yeah, and activities. Like, yeah, yeah. It was, it was sports activities and my son's going to be fresh. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's, I guess yeah. it's just like part of the black culture um mm-hmm. but my mom like my dad really didn't care about all that like he was mm-hmm. working trying to save but my mom was like nah my son's gonna be fresh like you got you got the game messed up but mm-hmm. it did it, it started with that man and I always kind of had like a knack for like dressing and mm-hmm. all of that stuff and you know that's, I guess my mom then she embedded that in us but um mm-hmm. like you said man I, I was drawing I, I used to sketch shoes and sketch clothes and it just kind of carried on um mm-hmm. you know middle school high school and college and like fashion has just always been a part of my life and mm-hmm. it's something that i love to just show you uniqueness yeah. and you know just show yeah. a little part of you that a lot of people don't see um yeah yeah because i've always been an athlete and a lot of athletes do like they they love fashion for whatever mm-hmm. reason um mm-hmm. but it started, it did, it definitely started when I was a kid drawing and, and stuff like that, man. It just kind of carried yeah. over. But now, well, I still find myself sketching, you know, a lot of stuff and, you know, the next no gas, you know, drop or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's always just been fun, man. Just something like a little outlet for me to yeah. get away from everything else, man, and just have some fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Fashion always yeah. been fun and shoes and clothes. Yeah. So. So, yeah, yeah it, it was it was big time, you know, That's even back in the day. Different shoe strings, color shoe strings in my shoes and like hoop earrings and parts in my hair. It just, yeah. just show, you know, the uniqueness yeah. and, you know, give you a, a different visual of, of, of a person, man. And I always yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I definitely love fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. Never really been involved, you know, but. You know, grew up, you know, my mom was big on matching. So, like, I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. know how to match, you know, I know how to put yeah, those together. Yeah, uh, yeah. For me, for me, like, in my journey, my experience, um, a big part of my 
development and where I'm at now as far as fashion and just my my priorities. It really is a kind of a testament to being overseas for so many years, you know, mm-hmm. and I say that to say like, you know, just living in those different cultures, you realize, I mean, not to take away from anyone who does love fashion, who, who's mm-hmm. involved in fashion, you know, I know I, mm-hmm. I will be eventually even at a higher level, right. you know, right. but you know, overseas, they don't care about clothes or shoes or oh, none no. of that. So mm-hmm. like, that's like being over there for like, pretty much like the last 10 years, you know, really like kind of put that on the back burner for myself, yeah. you know? So uh, yeah. at the same time, I know my pace, you know, I know, mm-hmm. you know where I'm headed, you know? So right. uh, I know I'll be involved at, a, at higher levels. And I'm sure we'll be involved with each other. Oh, some, absolutely. Some extent, you know, yeah, but, you know, that's for me, that's kind of, you know, being a part of where I'm at, you know, I really, and, and, and a couple, there's a couple moments where I got a lot of things stolen. So that yeah. combined with the culture over there, it's like, I don't really give a fuck about no clothes right. or no, <laughs> right. no iPads or no belts or no, none of that. Yep. Like, my shit done got stolen, you know? So yep. it's like, yep. like, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at, you know, but, yeah. you know, definitely, definitely. We gonna lock in though. No, we gonna sure, lock sure. in, we got to. We yeah, got to, sure. we have fun with sure. this, boy. For sure, for sure. I don't know so, why we ain't did it yet. You feel yeah, me? Right. It's you know it's all timing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So um, you kind of mentioned on it before, um, just kind of in your upbringing, you know, just with growing up, uh, going to a predominantly white school. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a predominantly white school from kindergarten to eighth grade. Okay. First, before that, before I began in school, I lived out in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my my mom wanted to move me to Indiana and raise us there. Yeah. Um, first grade, I, my parents moved me into the city, um, mm-hmm. and it was just like a complete exposure to a whole different lifestyle. You know, yeah. I was hanging out. I was I was leaving school like in the middle of the day. Like we, he's like seven <laughs> years old, bro. We I'm leaving school with my boy Dion. We we at Marsh trying to get pagers. Yeah. You know, wow. what I'm saying? we at Marsh trying to get a pager. You know, so I was at the skating rink all the time. You know, my I'm trying to get in the little smoking section. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. just like a whole, it was a whole lifestyle change. So my, my mom recognized that early, like, nah, let's, let's move them back to the county, you know? So yeah, yeah. I went back to the county second through eighth grade. And then I had to make a decision to move in t- and back into the city uh, mm-hmm. for, for sports reasons, for basketball reasons, yeah. um, which was a great decision, you know, and allowed me to continue to find who I am and mold into, you know, my pure self. Yeah, um, absolutely. But with that, you know, just find yourself in a different uh, demographic, you know, mm-hmm. exposed to different things. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned quickly, like, man, I, like, this is this is me. You know, I love this. You know, I love, mm-hmm. I love the hood. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the, I love the trap. Like, I love, you know, I love all that, yeah. you know. And, yeah. You know, I love all that. So I'm, I'm definitely put myself in a lot of positions to that this could have mm-hmm. happened and that could have happened. And, yeah. you know, but. Yeah. But we we the ball players, you know. So to an yep. extent, to an extent, you know, I know it's probably the same for you. I was always that, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Yep. You know, yep. to where a lot of these young boys these days, you know, just with the social media and the music and you know, just mm-hmm. all that we're exposed to, it's like yeah. we kind of feel like we gotta be something that we're all not. In. You know, and be all in, yeah. you know. So 
I know myself, I was always, you know, and it's a testament to my rep, how I was raised. I was, mm-hmm. even though I was in those situations and those, those uh, places I probably shouldn't be, you know, willingly, yeah. you yeah. know, it was like, I, I always was comfortable being myself within right. that, you know? So right. um, maybe you could speak on that a little bit, just a little, yeah. like, you know, that kind of being I'm, one foot in, one foot out, growing up in the hood, moving out the hood, you know, yep. developing into yourself. Uh, I know that's a yeah. journey that, that that some of us have been on. Facts. Nah, you you said it, man. It was uh my my upbringing was basically the same as that. It was um I grew up in the inner city. I was always around you know public schools from first to seventh grade, and um but even when I was at Brunswick Academy, uh, all white predominantly school. Um, it was, I was always back with my boys that was in public schools and then all the parties and, you know, always in the hood. And um, so it, it was like, like you said, man, it, we was one foot in, one foot out. And they always looked at us as the hoopers, you feel me? So a lot of, like, I'm actually writing a book uh, right now with kind of like a, a series that kind of touched on how people view you is like when I left, you know, the public school and, and the hood and, you know, all my, my black friends and went to the white people and on the white side, the black people looked at me different. Like, oh, he thinks he's better. You feel yeah. me? He thinks he's better. And then. That's, that's, how they, that's how, that's how, that's how they, that's how the black crowd community looked at me. Our yeah. black crowd community looked at me. Yeah when I moved into the city and they really, they like, who's this young boy who's 14, who we, we've seen here and there, but most of them didn't know me or where I came from. So they always kind of perceive me as like, oh, he just, you know, he comes mm-hmm. from white, you know, white school, yeah. you know, he, he too good. He got a white mama. Like they mm-hmm. put all those you know, narratives on you. Yeah. And we just, we just learn, I'm just learning who I am. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just like they were. You get know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. maybe they feel more comfortable in the the white crowd. Yeah. You know? But um, I think that was that was something that I dealt with as a as a as a youngster. Just kind of like differentiating like who accepted me and who didn't. You get know what I'm saying? And I think that's why I'm so closed. You know, I don't, I don't let a lot of people in my circle now because I don't like. From that experience alone, from having the black people look at you like, oh man, he think he better, like, and then they don't accept you, and then the white people looking at you different, like, who was this hood hood dude wearing braids and cornrows that got tattoos? Like, mm-hmm. you need to go back to the hood. You know what I'm saying? So I've always been like, like, who, who where am I supposed to go? But at the end of the day, you know, I've always been able to you know, speak to both sides. And that's why people yeah. you know, respect me um, because I don't try to be nothing I, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I can I can go into one room and mm-hmm. speak to them and go to the other room and speak to them and be perfectly yeah. fine both places. And yeah. um, I think that was, uh, that was something that I learned and was able to, um, you know, hold myself to a, you know, a better standard or a higher standard, not thinking that I'm better than anybody, but I'm able to reach both sides. You get what I'm saying? And yeah, um, yeah. It, was, uh, it was definitely a blessing in disguise going mm-hmm. there and dealing with everything that I've dealt with 
and mm-hmm. Bruin Academy and seeing yep. the other side of, of the yep. spectrum as well. But um it, it was it was the same, man. Like I, I like the hood. I ain't really like all of that other stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why I stay. I stayed at parties, I stayed with my homeboys. We always kicked it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I go right back to school on Monday morning and uh, wear khakis and tuck my shirt and yeah. you know tuck my my hang time in because they couldn't yeah. be on my collar and <laughs> all of that stuff and yeah. you know had had a good education man and it it, it yeah. turned out good for me but no, I know I don't know the pain bro we we both been through it kind of yeah. trying to figure out yeah. you know trying to be accepted and, and not yeah. being accepted by either one and then you know just kind of still being successful you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, yeah, yeah. For me, for me, just looking back, man, I'm I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for those experiences. You know, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. for me, it's like, yeah, I grew up mostly around white kids and white people. You know, but I never felt like an outsider. You know, I had right, right, had good, good right. people around me. You know, yeah, no matter the sure. race, like mostly white, yep. but they were good. I had some good white people, white folks around mm-hmm. me. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and my my family used to go spend time with their families at their house and and yep. watch the WWF pay per view yeah. event, you know. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so we didn't spend good time with them. We didn't play sports and won with them. We didn't lost with them. We didn't yep. cried with them, you know. Yep. So, yep. Uh, and then Man. moving into the city and and really, you know, finding myself, not really finding myself because I really wasn't looking for nothing. It was so organic, right. but it's yep. like. When you just get start getting exposed to different things, and yep. you know, I remember the first time I seen Minister Society, bro. I was like, mm-hmm. bro, I'm like, I'm no. all in, I'm all in, <laughs> like I'm all in, like I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's little moments like that that I reflect back on. And I'm like, I'm just thankful for how organic my development was, you know. And like you said, just being able to relate to to different races and different demographics and, you know, different ages within those, you know, that's, you know, I don't take it for granted, you know, no, and, not at all. you know, it not allows all. us to now be um, adults and be able to mm-hmm. be comfortable in any room with yep. anyone, you know, right. and there's so many of my friends that, you know, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, it's tough, you know, but I understand where it comes from, you know, that mm-hmm. can't even have conversations with a white person. Yeah. You know, yeah, can't even, yeah. don't even feel comfortable looking them in their eye. Yep, you know what I'm yep, saying? Don't even fine. feel comfortable yep. going to the outskirts of the city and going into the home of one mm-hmm. of our mutual mm-hmm. friends that just lives in a different area is just not comfortable in the home. Yeah. Like, bro, we two miles yeah, from man. the house. Right. You know? So, so it's, you definitely. It's the same with me, man. The same yeah, with so me. It's, you it's, preaching. It's, yeah, we, we grateful, you know, but it, yep. it gives me more, um, more passion towards exposing the young kids to to a more diverse, mm-hmm. uh, more diverse experiences, you know, so they're able yep. to develop in that way as well, you know, so they're yep. not, they don't find themselves limited. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So, bro, did you, um, did you always know you wanted to coach? How'd that come about? Yeah, I knew I wanted to coach, man, probably uh, a year after I, I graduated college. I was like, you know, I was dealing with a lot as far as, you know, playing professionally. And I was like, man, what would I do if, you know, I, I didn't play ball anymore? You know what I'm saying? What's my passion? 
And it's always been like motivation. Like my, my biggest thing, like one of my biggest qualities is motivation, like motivating people and able to reach them in a different way. And um, I just, you know, I started training, trying to make, you know, a little money. And then I'm like, man, I can do this. You know what I'm saying? And um, so I definitely knew right after college that I wanted to coach. I was like, man, you know what? Coaching is motivation. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the side, like I graduated with a psychology degree. So mm-hmm. it was like just dealing with different type of people and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to uh, express your, your <clears throat> opinion or, you know, just dealing with different personalities is something I've always been, you know, good at. Um, hold on, Brian. Are you good? I need to take my darn uh, my phone off. Uh, can you see me? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why this ain't. You know, one person call you and mess up the whole thing. God <laughs> damn. Nah, nah, there we go. There we go. My bad. <laughs> nah, but good. yeah, man, coaching, coaching and the psychology behind all of it and, you know, motivational, the motivational part of it has always been something that, you know, I drew – close to man so I knew right away that you know once my basketball career was done I was gonna get into coaching and that's mm-hmm. when I, I started coaching high school basketball after my professional career and uh started my own AAU team and just kind of ran with it you feel yep. me and, and now yep. I'm here today as a assistant coach at a division one program in my hometown and you know, I couldn't be more thankful and grateful, you know, to yeah, be in this yeah. position. You know what I'm saying? So so you're, you're currently assistant coach at Tennessee State University, mm-hmm. um, HBCU. Yep. Uh, something that, you know, growing up, I really – we weren't really taught about. You know, we really didn't right. know the history behind HBCUs and, you mm-hmm. know, how they were established and the intentions behind them, you know. So, um What's it, how's it been, you know, being within an HBCU program and uh, what's, what's that mean to you? It, um, man, it means a lot to me now. Uh, like you said, we wasn't raised really knowing what uh, HBCU really meant. You know what I'm saying? And um, being a part of it these last, these past five years, I've gained so much knowledge about our history and our culture and, everything that a HBCU entails that, man, I love it. I love every part of it. Um, but it is different. Like going to SIU, going to university of Tennessee, it's completely different mm-hmm. from the way referees ref your game from your, the resources to the buildings, how they look, um, to the teachers, um, to the environment, like it's completely different and you know to uh, I'm so grateful to be in this position because you're like for me being uh at SIU and me being at UT I'm able to show these kids you know what is what is like to play at a high major and mm-hmm. uh and a high mid major level mm-hmm. and you know, the difference and, and kind of yeah. like putting it all together and showing them, nah, yeah. man, you got to do things this way just because we at 
a HBCU. Like yeah. we hold, hold yourself this, to this standard. Yeah, you, yes, you're gonna hold yourself to a higher standard, just like these power five schools or yeah. these high mid majors. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what's in us. You feel me? That that that's what's in me. And um, I saw it done at a high level, and I won at a high level. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why can't you do it at, mm-hmm. at TSU? You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to do all of this stuff you're doing. You don't have to succumb to the culture or um, staying up late or, or smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Not saying that they don't happen at Power Fives, but the culture at an HBCU, man, it's like people look at it like, oh, it's it's just fun and games, man. Like it's fun. Yeah. Y'all just out there hooping, but nah, we coach. You feel me? Like yeah. we hold these guys to a high standard. Like yeah. we got curfew. We run the best plays. Like we, I mean, you feel me? We scout the hardest. You get what I'm saying? Because we know uh, going into every game, you know, we got to be that much better um, just to gain the respect. You get what I'm saying? So being at HBCU, man, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. I'm I'm glad this is the start of my coaching journey as a you know a college coach and mm-hmm. um you know just if you can do it here you can do it anywhere because the resources aren't the same um support you know isn't mm-hmm. the same but you find ways to be innovative and um to make it happen at a high level and that's what we're mm-hmm. doing right now man and we had a great great group great coaching staff and you know the sky's the limit for us man we, like i said we we hold our team to a high standard and you know hopefully we do great things this year that's what's up bro much much respect to us that um, i remember back in high school there was a few people from kokomo that went down to tennessee state so yeah i wasn't really it's the, hey, it's the best hbcu state, bro what you say it, 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 hey, it's the best hbcu tennessee yeah. state university man so that's big time. Up. It's big time. That's what's up. That's what's up. So uh, probably over a decade now, you uh, were fortunate enough to meet your soulmate, you know, yep. meet your queen, your yep. twin flame, all of mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. So and I found out we had something else in common, you know. So and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you and your wife were both involved with someone else when y'all met each other and came together, you know, yep. so my wife and I were the same, you know, she was kind of involved with someone. I was yep. in a relationship, you yep. know, but when we first kind of seen each other that day and really connected, it was mm-hmm. really a no brainer, you know, like yeah. she, you yeah. know, this was going to be my, my girl. If yeah. she would allow me to be her man or her, right. her boy at the right. time, you know, yep. Yep. So, yep. um, yeah, maybe speak on a little bit about uh, yeah. when you guys first met. You know, I know we always enjoy telling that story, so maybe you can yeah. tell that story. And I got a yeah. couple things I might, I might throw at you. Yeah, so uh, you was right. Like, she was involved with a dude. I was involved with a few girls <laughs> at the time. Right. Um, but, like, that connection, like you said, man, the connection was – you know, it, it was magical. You get what I'm saying? Like it, the conversation was different. Um, we prayed together and we didn't even know each other for real. And um, when I first met her, like you said, she was um, she was involved with a guy and, you know, we weren't even looking for nothing serious at the time. You know what I'm saying? But once we connected on, we connected on Instagram. I saw her pictures. She saw my picture through a 
a girl that I was involved with that was, I guess she was involved with the dude that she was with at the time. <laughs> they didn't like each other. So it was all on her page and the girl posted me and she was like, oh, so yeah, she got a nice dude. Like he, he look good. Maybe he'll, she'll leave my dude alone now and she'll be happy. <laughs> so she told, she told her best friend to follow me. And somehow I'm going through, you know, just like any dude, I'm going through her friend's picture and I come across her. I'm like, oh, snap, who is this? <laughs> like, so somehow, some way, man, like we got connected. We started liking each other pictures and um, she'd be the like, she'll do like some slick stuff and be the last comment on every picture like she'll mm-hmm. wait to be the last comment and this was before <laughs> Dean and all of that stuff uh, so one day I, I got the courage to you know ask her I'm like hey hold on hold on hold on let me yeah, start right here so there was one comment that had you that had you thinking a little hold on like what's what's this one mean you know let me reach yeah. out to her and let me reach out to her and and see what she meant behind this. Do you remember yeah. the emoji? I don't remember the emoji, but ah, uh, uh, what was the emoji, bro? It was ah, <laughs> uh, what was it? It was definitely emoji, and I was like, it, it made me think. I'm like, what does that mean? You feel me? I forgot the emoji. Maybe you can enlighten me. <laughs> but, I don't know it. Yeah, but it was. It was. It was definitely an, an emoji, man. And it made me like. She commented last, and uh, I'm looking at it like, all right, like she she been a little different now. You feel yeah. me? Like what does that mean? Uh, oh, I reached out to her. I think I commented on one of her pictures, and it was uh, like, hey, man, like what what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> find out or something like how like you gonna find? I'm like how I'm gonna find out? Like what's your like what's your face? Facebook page like what's your name yeah. and she gave me the Facebook um her Facebook name or whatever her real name mm-hmm. and uh man we connected we connected that day mm-hmm. and I asked for a number I mm-hmm. FaceTimed her we FaceTimed for three months straight mm-hmm. at the same time every day it was like eight o'clock every day every night and um, I was staying with my parents at the time, and um, they just saw a change in me. Once eight o'clock hit, I was gone. You feel me? I'm yeah. talking. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, I gotta go. It's, I gotta go. It's my, it's my baby time. Yeah, yeah. So man, we connected, and I was going through a lot at the time. And I swear I was, I was, you know, dealing with you know some depression, um, anxiety attacks, like panic attacks. And man, when I met her, like, bro, we would pray together and. Mm-hmm. like she would just hold me down you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and um i just slowly get like got better and uh i knew then i was like hey man like it's different like this conversation is different the way she make me feel is different like there's always gonna be beautiful women in the world and as men heterosexual men like we always drawn to pretty women you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying but when you, when you find one that you connect with different, you know, it's a different connection, mm-hmm. then that's, you know, like, oh, it may be something there. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I, I knew that at a young age, at 24 years old, I'm like, man, I'm talking to a lot of beautiful girls right now, but this conversation is different. 
You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Praying for the kid. Like she she praying with me. Like she yeah. she talking talking through my problems. She talking talking to me through my anxiety. And um like she was just there for me at a at a time that I needed it. And um it was it was beautiful, man. So I went out there, man. I, I didn't have no money. I was broke as hell. And I said, man, I got to see her. And I actually made her my girlfriend without even seeing her. Like, I was talking to her so much. I asked her within that three-month period. I'm like, hey, man, we hey, we connected. I was like, what are you doing? She was like, man, what are we doing? And I said, you trying to be my girlfriend? <laughs> she was like, I was waiting on you to ask. Yeah. Like, yeah. Official. yeah. Talking to my dad. This was this is uh beside the point. I'm talking to my dad, and he was like, Man, I ain't your girlfriend. You ain't even seen that girl <laughs> <laughs> in person. So yeah. um, man, I man scraped up some pennies, man, went out to LA and and saw her, man. And I knew when she picked me up from the airport, bro. I said, This is my wife, like this is mm-hmm. gonna be my wife, man. And mm-hmm. it worked out that way, man. We had a great time and mm-hmm. uh, the connection, you know, didn't waver. It was it was beautiful, man. And I knew, like I said, right then that it was gonna be my wife. And yeah. but I knew I also couldn't have a long distance relationship. And yeah. she was out in LA and I was in Nashville. I was like, what are we finna do? Like, what well, we yeah. gotta do something. And yeah. that, that's that's gonna leave me. Go ahead. I said, and this, I said, it's way too expensive to move to LA. So what, sure. what you gonna do? Yeah, no, and that and that leads me, that leads me into uh the final thing i want to talk about so um at that point you know and first off that's you know i love hearing those stories that's special that's amazing that's you know it's it's cool to hear the the how those bonds initiate you know so uh man yeah that's that's love bro um so like you said you're at the point you know you got the long distance relationship going um but there came a point in time when okay it's getting a little bit more serious um, and that's another thing we had in common, you know, that it speaks to the, uh, the openness of our mm-hmm. ladies, uh, yeah. the support of our ladies, um, mm-hmm. and just the commitment that they genuinely had for us, for themselves and for us, you know, mm-hmm. so it reached that point and um, your, your wife, your current wife, your lady, your girlfriend, then uh, mm-hmm. she pretty much picked up, packed up everything and, and moved right to join you, you know, and to follow and to, you know, come with you on your journey and allow you to guide her through your journey. That's the right. same thing that my wife did. You know, she left, uh, she left the country, you know, we were both young, you know, and mm-hmm. we just started journeying on our own, you know, so that speaks a lot to, you know, the people that they are, you know, and for me um, and for us, I know early on in our relationship, we would always we would always refer to to those decisions as them making a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. As I've learned and come to understand, nah, it ain't no sacrifice that's that's made at that time. It's actually mm-hmm. an investment, Thanks. an investment into themselves, an investment into us, and an, and an investment into us as one. You know, Thanks. so a lot of people put those. Yeah decisions they they put that negative connotation towards those decisions like Mm -hmm. they're sacrificing something or giving something up or or doing something that they shouldn't be doing or 
putting someone else first instead of themselves when when really it's like, nah, we made an investment on our relationship and what turned into our marriage. So yeah. Yeah, do you yeah. relate to that? Like that's that's yeah, man. It's it's the same thing, bro. It was uh she definitely made an investment. Like she packed up everything. We drove from LA to Nashville 24 hours. And man, it, it was, it was like it wasn't a sacrifice. Like, like you said, bro, it was an investment because it 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 was beneficial for both of us. You know what I'm saying? Like not only for me, but for her too. Um she found somebody that she wanted to be with, raise a family with, grow with, grow with. Um you know, and, and just build, like, become a, a great couple, uh, a great, you know, power couple um, mm -hmm. in Christ and, you know, in love and, you know, through the ups and the downs, it ain't always going to be perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we had our problems, you feel me? But one thing we always said, we're going to stick with each other no matter what, because, shit, that's the one I, I want to be with. Yeah. I can't yeah myself and no, nobody mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. uh, um, oh yeah man that, that's that's a beautiful way to put it bro it was definitely yeah. investment on both of us man and i'm glad mm -hmm. she made it i'm glad she made the investment in me for I sure, for sure. Her, you feel me? yeah Most definitely, bro. yeah for sure man uh yeah I, we can wrap it up bro um i mean we yeah. ain't really what i want to do with with my platform you know obviously i could bring a lot of us in and and yeah. talk about our journeys playing sports, you know, which we touched on and, you know, moving forward, I'll, you know, touch on with people as yeah. I feel, you know, but what I wanted to do is give people a chance to share who they are, you know, and, and part of their journey and, you know, the, the mindset and the perspective and just the lenses behind finding yourself where you are today, you know. So uh, before we finish up, I mean, I know a lot of people who see this, know who you are you know so for those who don't uh we met at siu uh you played at siu how many years were you there two or three two years three years went to the uh y'all won the mvc uh y'all won the mvc yep we won we won the missouri valley conference my freshman year that was 2007 yeah and then the nit we went to the nit in 2008 yeah. and then i transferred so i only played two years there and then transferred to the University of Tennessee. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, great moment. That's my brother right here, man. Yeah, um, yeah. And then and then went on to play professionally yeah, for a couple yeah. of few years. So, yep. you you know, we, we did it at, at every level, you know, so. Absolutely. Every yeah. level. Yeah. And yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to, you know, I definitely wanted to touch base on that, man, and because we had similar, similar journeys, you feel yeah. me, and that, let's 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 touch base on it let's touch base yeah, on it yeah, yeah so i mean we, I, we, we both you, i want to ask you no nah, for sure we're we gonna go back and forth then you got a little time you got a few yeah, more minutes yeah. Bad, bad. Yeah, so, so i went to when i went to siu i was a, i entered as a freshman coming off of surgery so i couldn't i couldn't remember i couldn't even train with y'all in the summer so i was just really chilling you know just trying to get healthy at the time you were you just headed into your sophomore year so you know coming off of a great high school career you know one of the top players if not the top player in your state so yep. big aspirations moving into college uh mm -hmm. then you find yourself at siu where probably similar to me you weren't really fit for that type of style of program yeah. at all at all <laughs> at, at all, all. So how, how was that 
especially especially at a a young age you feel still me still developing from a boy yeah. into a young man like crucial yeah. crucial years where you you have to have the right guidance and right leadership around you absolutely man and i think that was a uh, that was something that they didn't quite get um you know when they brought me and you in um because we were we were similar we were guys that could put the ball in the hole and we weren't really weren't weren't like hard nosed defenders and yeah. all that stuff that we didn't have rugged games we were we were smooth you feel me yeah. like we yeah. we was gonna give one no matter what I don't care if you was the best defender we were still gonna yeah. get a bucket yeah. that's why they recruited us but um to me it was kind of like they wanted these rugged hard nosed dive on the floor dudes which is is great like I I, yeah. I love coaching that way now like I love uh seeing dudes dive on the uh, floor after lose balls or, or not or in practice not playing uh out of bounds and everybody fighting and being tough because you know I learned that it don't matter how much talent you have like the the tough man the tough teams are the ones that win and uh mm -hmm. that's something I learned when I was at SIU so it wasn't all bad uh, mm -hmm. it was the reason why I got on the court at, at UT at the exactly. university. Yeah. yeah. They had McDonald's All Americans, you feel me? And I they had to have somebody that was gonna defend that could also <laughs> put the ball in the hole yeah. when the chance was given. You feel yeah. me? And it was total opposite for you. Like you went to Valpo and killed, and then you had an opportunity to go to Michigan uh Michigan State and you still killed. You feel mm -hmm. me? Like you was kind of like your 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 journey was perfect I, I look i look at your journey i was like man like he really took advantage of everything you feel me not only not not because you 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 um it was like something you had to do it was because you were a great basketball player and a lot of people look at our times at siu and be like ah oh, man they 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 weren't tough enough or good enough to make it at that level. And it was the total opposite. It was like, now nah, we weren't fit for that program, especially yeah. when we were younger. You feel me? Yeah. We, were yeah. we weren't comfortable with, and we, you know, um, other than uh, working with us and being patient, it was kind of like, oh, they knocking us down and we, we <laughs> losing confidence and not having yeah. fun playing the game. Yeah. And, we showed, and like I said, man, I, I commend you as a testament to you and your game. Appreciate it. You feel me? Like, yeah. and big ups to SIU and the coaching staff. I talked to Rodney Watson when I was up there, and he was like, hey, man, you you did it, man. Like, you had a great yeah. career, and yeah. uh, I know it work out here, but you know, we, we're, we're proud of you. You feel yeah. me? And, we we it was the total opposite of what we we said it was gonna be yeah, like we yeah. were upset but um when you left but it was the total opposite i remember yeah. going into a meeting and i don't want to you know be verbatim and what they said but it was kind of like shitting on me a little bit like yeah i mean that's that, that that whole that whole year that whole year was kind of shitting on us to the yeah. full extent yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's like you know and i and i that year, you know, as a, as like a outgoing senior in high school, entering into my freshman year of college, you know, not 
being physically ready, um, literally, because I came off of surgery. And then as I had that stress fracture in my leg, that was just another confirmation that just physically I wasn't ready, you know, but but going into that year, you know, it that was, you know, that was probably like and, and how you spoke on it kind of just rounded that out maybe for me, you know, but you know, that was a tough year mentally for me, probably my toughest year ever, you know, and and, and when you're that young, you don't really, you kind of just like upset and confused. You don't really understand what you're truly feeling yeah. at, a, at a feeling and emotional standpoint, you know? So for me, it was like following that year, you know, I didn't even get to play. You know, I started off playing good. I had like 15 in like the first or second game. But just the, for me, just the constant, really speaking on the basketball first, like, like you said, that year, although it was rough and physically demanding and, you know, it really set us up for where we ended up, you know, because if you think about it, uh, we weren't defenders going into college. We didn't, we, we hadn't even uh develop the the want to you know defenses you just gotta want to play it you know and it's gotta you gotta enjoy it you know and we both ended up finishing our career being the best defenders defenders on two of the best teams in all of college basketball (laughs) so that that speak for you know just that speak for our commitment to like towards our journey but like there was some some positive takeaways from that year outside of just getting some credits absolutely you know but for me it was like like the and and we weren't the only ones to experience it you know but just the the constant belittlement you know the constant uh demeaning you know just the calling out a name yeah just the the lack of of sitting down and speaking on that afterwards and and mm-hmm. allowing us to understand it understand the where it came from uh that is what i kind of took away from that you know and that's what gave me you know it, it brought me to the end of the year and i had no confidence you know yeah. i had no love for the game i remember i really wanted to quit playing basketball yeah. all around you know yeah. so so that year, you know, that was definitely a tough year for me. And if I and if I didn't have y'all there, like, ain't no yeah. telling, ain't no telling yeah. how it would have went. It's the same, man. Exact same, bro. And that was, you know, essentially that was the reason why I left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't love same, the game. Same, same. I was going through things back home that a lot of people don't know about. And it wasn't for me to, you know, talk about with my coaches because I didn't feel you know comfortable talking to them anyway about stuff that was going on and Mm -hmm. um that's why I'm in the position I am now like I I want to be the coach that people you know my guys come up to and be like hey man coach Bone, bro I'm going through something man I'm going through a lot and being able to really understand it and feel compassion and mm-hmm. understand that, man, this kid, man, I might let me take it easy on him a little, a little bit. You feel mm-hmm. me? Like I'm, we still got a job to do, no matter what we going through in life. But at the end of the day, man, like you said, it ain't gonna be no constant belittlement or demeaning words or, you know, making this guy 
so upset that he don't want to practice or he don't feel the love for the game like this this is a game and at the end of the day I understand as a coach now more than anything like this is our livelihood this is how we feed our kids but at the end of the day we got to make sure our players are feeling good we got to make sure they love the game and learn at the same time and it doesn't mean on your on your all the time you get what yeah, i'm saying yeah yeah you there's, there's like there's there's thin lines you know there's lines yeah, that, there's thin lines. lines you know and for me which you know allow me you know years back to like really make amends with that experience you know when i realized you know as men and as women outside of sports or whatever career we have we're all on our own journey of uh discovering ourselves and overcoming what we've been through as kids and through our upbringing. So yeah. with that situation, it, you know, looking back and reflecting, it's like the way things were delivered and uh, the behavior that we were exposed to, it just spoke to me as like, okay, this is where this individual or these individuals came from. They still have to feel and realize who they are you know, so a lot of times we project and and put where we're at on other people. So it really made me understand people deeper, you know, and and ultimately gave me more compassion towards them and really like the ultimate forgiveness. Facts. Facts. Now you said you said a lot, bro. You said a lot, man. I think we both feel the same way. It is no hatred, it's no ill will towards you know the coaching staff or whoever it's you know it's more compassion you feel me and, and yeah yeah man I, I understand bro you know and, and yeah. it was all bad you know yeah, the reason yeah. Like, yeah. we played at a high level and produced and was a part of two great teams is because of some stuff that we've been through you feel me like we we grew through it yeah and, uh, yeah. and we didn't quit we didn't quit at all we didn't quit, man. We didn't quit, and it would have been that was crazy. the closest I've been. That was the closest I've been to, to quitting. Oh, me too, bro. Like me, I've been playing since I was four. I'm sure. thinking about thinking about quitting basketball. Like <laughs> what? Not loving the game, and I've been year round since I was twelve. You feel me? Yeah. Like hey, you ball. Like I ain't tired of this stuff yet, and I'm yeah. still not. And for me to not love the game and not want to go to practice or don't really care what happens in the game is kind of like, oh snap, I need to get out of here. And it's crazy. Like I didn't like I ended up being like I started some games at UT and I played a lot of minutes my senior year. And um and my junior year, second half of the year, like I started playing a lot, but I gained the love for the game again. You know what I'm saying? And on, yeah. I was playing a whole lot of minutes at SIU. Yeah. You know, basically averaging 10, 11 points as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, because my sophomore, my freshman year, I should have redshirted because I only played half of the year. But, mm-hmm. man, that was like me not even playing the minutes that I was playing at SIU when I got to UT. I still had the – I gained the love of the game back, man. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, um, you know what mattered the most. Yeah, and, yeah. That, that's that's yeah. when I because I went to I went to a JUCO after that year, 
And that's where I gained that love and confidence back because I was coming off the shoulder surgery, headed into the SIU year, had the medical pressure because of stress fracture in my leg. So I didn't get to play that freshman year. So I'm like, if I can transfer to another division one, that's going to be like two straight years of sitting out. You know, it's definitely probably going to be a wrap. I'm going to find myself doing this and that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, I'm probably not going to find myself playing the game no more. So going to my JUCO um, and being comfortable there, being with one of my guys who I was familiar with. And I actually committed to Valpo before my JUCO year even started. So yeah. I really just kind of could fall back and breathe and relax and just let me work on my game and get that confidence back, get that love for the game back. We had a winning season, won the regional, went to the national tournament. So that was a great year coming off of, of that unfortunate year, you know, and then kind of led me into Valpo for two years and then the Michigan State for my fifth year. So uh, we'll finish with this, you know, since we started talking about our careers. Um, how was that transition going from uh, mid-major to high-major school? You know, I know for me, uh, being at Valpo for two years, um, I won all the awards that I could have won. You know, I was scoring a lot of points. Um, the jump I wanted to make from my first year to my second year was leading more so vocally rather than just thinking that leading by example was the way. So I made strides in that for my first and second year. Um, and then had the opportunity to open up my recruitment and go to a, to really anywhere, you know, so I decided to go to Michigan State. And for me, you know, um, Izzo was intense, you know, he was very, very intense. You know, he was never disrespectful. Uh, yeah. and he allowed his players to challenge him and, and come back at him, you know, so that's something I always respected. Um, but I don't know if I would have been as prepared as I was mentally if I wasn't a fifth year senior, you know, because because wow. I, I only had one year there. So he kind of was pressing me like I was a freshman, but right. I was a dog at that point. I was built for it. Exactly. And, exactly. and really not too long ago, like in the last couple of months when I was spending some time with him, uh, he kind of he confirmed with me that and he kind of spoke on like, you know, because we were speaking on the young guys these days and just yeah. how um, um, I don't want to say weak minded, but how they're just not as able to process and and withstand, yeah. you know, like we were, you know. So he kind of related that to my situation and he, he, mm -hmm. he it meant a lot. You know, he told me like, man, you were you were really ready for this, you know, like nobody ever was, you know, and just coming here one year. Like players, we don't really have transfers, let alone have a transfer come in and and make it through the preseason and start the whole year and play the role that you did, you know. So that that meant a lot to me. Um, but one thing that I learned from going from mid-major to high major um, was you had to learn how to and understand the meaning behind playing a role, you know. And we had a role all along the way, but our role was just – let me go out here and go crazy and score. Yep. Have fun. You know, but those higher levels, you know, everybody has a specific role, you know. And uh, my role on the Michigan State team was to, you know, knock down the threes and guard the best player on the other team, you know. And I mm -hmm. took pride in that, you know. And and I was always good at um, um, playing within the play, you know. So although plays weren't drawn up for me, like I knew how to, I knew when my spots where I could sneak attack or when I could find myself and get me a quick little bucket, 
So it was cool to like kind of mesh that together. So how was yeah. that transition for you? Was it similar for you? Yes, it was it was definitely similar. It was um basically the same. And I think the the biggest thing that I learned was being a role player. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like you said, like I said, you said a lot, man. It was uh perfect how you, you know, transitioned that, man, because it was exactly the way it was for me. I went from a guy that thought I was supposed to be playing the whole game because I was one of the most talented players to ever come through SIU, just like yourself. And just to be humbled is like, ah, oh, yeah, I ain't ready for this. Like the way we play type stuff. He was kind of taken back, but we grew through it. And because of that, we were able to understand our roles at a higher level and mm -hmm. produce at a high level. It was like my, my role on the team was the same same thing. It was to guard the best player, hit open shots, and create offensive opportunities for yourself. And for mm -hmm. me, to get in passing lanes and get steals or get yeah. offensive rebounds because no play was drawn up for me. We had McDonald's All-American. We had Scotty Hobson. We had Tobias Harris. We had Wayne Chisholm. We had guys that were – uh, already, you know, bona fide scores, you know, at that level, uh, Cam Tatum, uh, which is a four-star. So we had a, man, we had a bunch of players that can get it in. Not saying that we couldn't, but the role, our role was different. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Get on the court. Like I was the yeah. toughest guy. On the yeah. um, coming from SIU where we were labeled as not tough enough to even yeah. play. To yeah. going to a high major and being the toughest ones on the team. You oh, feel man. me? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's full circle, man. That's, the, that's the, a prime example of a full circle situation and moment. And really, bro, like the reason why I never really shared this, but the reason after my second year of Valpo, I entered my name in the draft. So I yeah. was going through the process of being in the draft, knowing that I had another year of eligibility. So mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't going to stay in the draft, you know, but I wanted to get that feedback. And yeah. the feedback I got from, like, the NBA personnel was um, we want him to work on his defense and work on his toughness. Mm -hmm. So when I realized I had this option to be a fifth-year transfer, um, you know, I could have went to UConn. You know, I remember talking to UConn, and they, they, they were telling me, you know, we need somebody to come in here and replace Kimba Walker. So, yeah. like, looking back, it's like, bro, I could have been at UConn going crazy, you know, but <laughs> – but my mindset, which which I love and which I will always stand on, I'm like, okay, like they want me to work my defense and my toughness. Like, let me go to Michigan State and, and, and end that noise. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what program is built on toughness and defense like Michigan State? So I made that decision like for the the purest reason, you know. So I that's that's it's cool to look back on those decisions and be like, okay, like yeah, I made. I made the right decision, you know, for sure. No matter what happened, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Sure, nah, it's sure. And it's crazy. Like my senior year, my season ended with Michigan State. You feel me? They beat us in the Elite Eight. Um, mm -hmm. And then for you to come in the next year and do what you did, man, I was like, man, everything is full circle, bro. My brother. Yeah, bro. And man. I remember, bro, I remember during my Juco year and uh, my Valpo years, bro, just. You know, because even probably you can relate being at SIU, you know, we watched those high major games growing up and in college. So it's like you watching these games and you, yeah. you know, you you watching it cool. Like we all 
in the same boat, you know, we all playing college basketball. But I remember, bro, like after you transferred to Tennessee and I was still on my journey, bro, I found so much inspiration and so much pride, bro, in, in watching you, bro. Like when you used to come in off the bench or be in the game, bro, it was a part of me that was in the game, bro. Like it was really like, like, bro, this, this, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro's not doing this for himself. Like he, like, it was like to see someone who's been through what I've been through and now you on the highest stage and I'm, I'm, I have visions of that, you know, there couldn't have been a better example of inspiration, bro. Man, I, I appreciate that, bro. And it's the same way for you, bro. When I was looking at you, I'm like, at Valpo and Michigan State, I'm like, man, my brother, he deserved everything, everything. So, it, it's love, man. You know, it's always been love from us. Right. You want yeah. you. You know, you got a spot, bro. You yeah, already for know. Sure, for sure. Hey, one right. last question, bro. Yeah, Where'd this come from? <laughs> <laughs> Let's, Let's get it. Still doing them. Still doing them. Still doing them, my boy. Oh, um, man. Appreciate you coming on, bro. I know it's a little longer than, than what we expected, but yeah, nah, appreciate it, been, The best podcast interview I've ever been on. You feel me? Like my brother, man. This is real. This is real as it can get. And uh, uh, you have me, man. Like I said, I know you. Your wife is smiling down on you, bro. So yeah, yeah. She right here, right here, sitting in front of you. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. She right here, yeah, man. big time. <laughs> That is uh, big. Ready, bro. Appreciate oh, you, man. Love, appreciate bro. You. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir.